0: hello and welcome to season two episode 42 of logicast our reinvent special i'm carl robinson ceo and co-founder of logicast and i'm joined as always by our lead cloud engineer john goodall who told me off yesterday for not introducing him with his job title so i've made sure i've shoehorned that in today how are you doing today john
1: oh i'm much happier now i'm much happier although i'm cold because my heater broke
0: but you have bought a new one you've been telling me all about that are you, are you hoping to expense it or something is that why
1: <laughs> i could probably claim the tax back on it but i'm not sure it's worth the fat for 10 quids worth of vat mm,
0: fair enough anyway uh we're not here to talk about john's uh, heating problem we are joined today uh by a very special guest john topper of the scale factory who is an aws ambassador so welcome john how are you doing today
2: i'm not bad i'm uh i'm recovering from my week in uh in vegas where uh the air is so dry that uh, all of the soft tissues of your body start to become crispy. Um, so I'm now uh, rehydrating and uh, catching up on sleep, and uh, and also catching up on all the things that I missed at Reinvent because even being there doesn't necessarily warrant you seeing everything. So uh, that's uh, that's what's going on for me this week, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I think 192 announcements, God knows how many sessions, spread across 12 hotels. And if there's only one of you, then uh, that's quite a difficult there's, there's thing. There's only so much you can spread achieve, yeah. yourself across, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, John, tell us a bit about yourself, the bits that I haven't already shared. What do you do? Yes, kind
2: of yeah. So I'm, I'm the, uh, I guess, founder and CEO of The Scale Factory. Uh, we're a... Uh, an AWS consulting partner working with SaaS businesses. Um, and uh, and in fact, one of the things I got back from, from reInvent, other than a chest infection, is this uh, shiny award here, which uh, you can just about see. This is the uh, par- Partner of the Year Award. Um,
0: Very global nice.
2: Global SaaS Partner of the Year Award. So we're, we're really proud, proud of that. So um, I'm, I'm going to be in insufferable about this. I'm going to be telling everybody about it for, for the next uh, probably month or year, to be honest. So uh, uh, that's uh, I had to make make room in my suitcase for that one. Um, but as a seasoned reinventor, you kind of learn to make room for swag of various various sorts. Um, so I uh yeah, run the scale factory. Um, we're based out of the UK. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm an AWS ambassador, which is a um a, a title bestowed upon me by AWS uh for the fact that i'm active in the community as someone who works for an aws partner which is different from the community builders and the, uh, and the aws heroes who get better swag uh, <laughs> arguably um but um uh, sort of similar in that we we're, we're sort of we're all out there in the community sort of uh, doing things like this actually and uh, uh, running uh, user groups and creating content and that sort of thing uh, and i do uh, co-organize and uh, and occasionally host the uh, the the AWS User Group UK, um, which is so called because it was the first user group um, in in this country, um, but which the regional user groups would probably prefer that I refer to as the London user group because it is in London um, and uh, and not just the UK as a whole. So, uh, uh, all, all AWS all the time, as you as you might imagine, is basically the only thing only thing going on in my life. <laughs>
0: sounds sounds a bit that, that way, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, but you did inspire John and I to go on and. And set up the aws user group brighton which uh, very good is now run uh first third three one meetups and uh yes. gathering some momentum which is nice Love to you mentioned um you mentioned swag there in your preamble mm. i can see you're you're sporting your reinvent my, hoodie my and re- uh, no, that side yeah <laughs> <laughs> scuppered and, by the uh, by the mirroring of this camera yeah yep. there we go <laughs> and um you you showed us your award did you bring any other great swag back from
2: Vegas? Uh so I, I tend to go fairly light on, on swag. I brought a data dog t-shirt back for my wife, because they're very soft and she likes to sleep in uh in the the, the soft swag t-shirts I bring back from uh, from conferences. But the best swag I got this year was from the uh the AWS well-architected team. Um, i sat in on a round table we are pretty ac- active in the uh, in the the well architected community um and uh, at the round table they handed out swag um yeti uh, coffee mugs the coffee to the flasks um with uh with a uh, uh, well architected logo um etched into the side so um, nice sturdy sturdy coffee mug um not the usual kind of tat you get an actual it's a bit better brand, than uh, branded thing uh, this, then. <laughs> <laughs> yep Swag you I, can use. That's what we. Swag like. you can swag use. You can yeah. Actually
0: use. Yeah. My uh,
2: my pint of coffee that I had to have yesterday morning in order to get <laughs> get back into the time zone uh, was still warm by the time I got to the bottom of it, which uh, which would be uh, which is unusual, I think.
0: Yeah, my cafetiere that I was tucking into this morning was definitely cold by the time I got into my third cup, so I think I would probably make use of one of those. Yeti. Well, you've got yeah, two the
1: of I'm... the um, community builder th- uh,
2: ones now, Carl. They're really good.
0: Yeah, but I just use them as ornaments. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you do have to make that decision don't you am i going to use my swag as a as an actual piece of, uh, of of useful thing or am i going to use it as an ornament i've got you probably can't see me see behind me because it's all uh, out of focus but i've got a um an aws ambassador's cap sat on my shelves back there as a uh, acting as an ornament rather than an actual cap um, although I did wear it a couple of times while I was at reInvent uh, to clip my uh, my camera to it. Um, so I was t- trying to capture uh, what it's like to be at reInvent for those of us who, who can't make it. Uh, I haven't yet edited the footage. It looks like it'd be quite a mountain to climb, so it might never happen. Who knows? We'll see. Well, maybe you should get AI to do it for you. <sighs> no, no, maybe not. Let's not and say I did. <laughs>
0: And on that note, uh, we are actually here to talk about AWS services. We may even talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about AI. So um, as regular listeners to the Logicast podcast will know, um, I collate a list of AWS news, which I share via my weekly AWS News Roundup newsletter, and then John Goodall and I pick a selection of the articles from the newsletter that we want to talk about in a bit more detail. So we've got a few articles this week, uh, which are mostly uh, announcements that came out of reInvent. And the first one is an article on the New York Times, uh, which I've been struggling a little bit with, actually, because when I shared this article, I didn't realize it was kind of paywalled. Paywalled.
2: Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, So I think I must have used my free view to look at it the first time. And then when I went to look at it again, it's like, hang on a minute, you want money now for me to look at this. But uh, (laughs) anyway, uh, you know, that's their their business model, and that's fair enough. Um, But uh, the article uh, was about the introduction of Q, uh, an AI chatbot for businesses um, that Amazon launched at reInvent last week. Um, so um, I'm going to have to address you by uh, your... You can use my surname. Just use
2: my surname. People people do <laughs> refer to me as Topper. I, I will respond to, uh, to just my surname on its own.
0: <laughs> okay, then, Topper, what do you think about this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so... Um, it, it, I think it, the the wider context of this is is probably the interesting thing which is that um arguably Amazon has has been a little behind um other vendors on the uh the generative AI front um and uh, and this is a sort of uh, basically reinvent this year was about them um scrambling to catch up I I, I I would say that they're managing it. I think that they're doing a reasonable job of that. They But they're really keen to position themselves as market leaders in a market where they are arguably not market leaders. Um, and so uh, Amazon Q is, it's kind of a chatbot, right? It's a, it's essentially similar. To, if you've used um, OpenAI Chat GPT or um, Claude or something like that. Um, it's a it, it's a sort of chatbot thing. Um, it's generative, so it's uh, it, it's prone to making things up. Um, but the, the interesting <laughs> thing uh, about Q, I think, uh, other than the fact they call it Q, which makes it extremely difficult to search for, um, <laughs> and uh, and puts me in mind of that um, odious prick from the Star Trek uh, Next Generation series who gets everyone the, is co- making caught co- co- up comparison. in the Borg. Everyone, <laughs> right? Um, so it, the um, the the thing's interesting is they're they're embedding. It in a lot of different things so um it will pop up in the in the console if you're using the console um there's uh, there's integration with uh, aws chatbot uh, you can integrate it with vs code uh, which some I've tinkered with recently actually on the uh, on the journey back um but also with uh, with things like um uh, quicksight and um amazon connect which which both both of which had some form of AI kind of integration, anyway, and and I guess has just been rebranded and is now using the the, the Q engine. Um, so it's. It's, it's in preview, right? I think that's the, the thing to remember. Although it's slathered over everything, it's considered to be in preview. And so um, it's not expected to be good at this point. Um, and uh, in many places, it is not. Uh, but in in a few ways, it is. I I spun up uh, the VS Code integration and it helped me write some Python, a language that I don't really know. Um, and uh, in, in the VS Code integration, um, the, the bits of code it suggests you can just click a, an icon and it copies it into where your cursor is and stuff so you know it's, it's all right i've used things like claude and, and chat gpt to do similar things um it's, it seems to be about on a par but um, there are plenty of people posting examples of where they've asked q questions in the console and it's given them ludicrous answers um mm-hmm. about even about the sort of aws services which you would expect it to be an expert on uh, given the given the training data so um re, you know way to go yet maybe but um but certainly worth playing with and, and, um, and an interesting first stab at, at that sort of thing.
0: So, good all. Um, mm. I know you were... Uh... <laughs> I have
1: two answers to my surname. It's a bloke thing, I think. <laughs> um,
0: I think you were playing with this this morning, weren't you?
1: you? I've been playing with it on and off kind of all week, really, um, after I got over that initial scare on the pricing, because that's my biggest gripe with this. In preview, it's mostly free. When it's out of preview, using it in the console is $25 per user per month. So that's going to get expensive really fast. But once I got over that little scare, um, I've been playing with it quite a lot, mostly writing IAM policies because writing IAM policies is awful. Um, and the policy generator is a bit shite too, to be really honest. it's You have to know exactly what you're looking for rather than, I don't quite know what permission I need for... Blocking reserved instance purchases, or send running SSM commands, or whatever. So you can kind of ask it, and it spits out something reasonable. But you do still need to be able to probe it to get a proper answer out of it, as 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 you were saying. Uh, because it, it had a funny one where I asked it sort of two or three different questions. And says, "Okay, now put that all together with the previous answers um, into a combined policy for me." And it did that, but it also added a whole bunch of S3 permissions that I hadn't asked for. So. <laughs>
2: yes yeah i think um yeah this this sort of thing i guess preview generative services are always going to have a little bit of that and i think um the that some of these things are only as good as the training data they've been given or the guardrails that have been wrapped around them Um, and my concern with with sort of any and all generative ai stuff actually is that if you are using it for things like um particularly around iam policies um that there's a there's a phenomenon that i blogged about a, a couple of years ago that i call um short mean time to hello world which is mm. where um if you are um if you're if you're building something and you're following along with tutorials on on the web many of those tutorials will suggest that you just use star colon star on your yeah. iam policy or chmod 777 on your uh, your uploads directory and, and that sort of thing where um yes that does get your thing demonstrably working um, but it brings in a whole host of uh, of potential security issues with it as well and and the internet is just full of blog posts of people doing this kind of crap without really warning people about it uh, and so if the if the corpus of training data that a generative AI tool has been trained on is has been trained on, the internet, mm-hmm. um, then some of the things it's going to be telling you will be those kind of collective bad practices that everyone does, um, and I think it's it's on AWS really to make sure that Q doesn't suggest anything dumb like that um, when it's uh, pitching it as a as a sort of intelligent assistance for its own service, and so it'll be interesting to see how they constrain that and how over time they um they they make sure that it's doing the right things i mean it didn't
1: give me any stars admittedly but i was asking quite targeted questions it's like what permission do i need to use the run command in ssm run command and send command bang bang okay helpful but it wasn't a give me a permission that allows me to do these 17 things i could just star on it you know i targeted questions and i think that's Part of the what do they call it? Prompt engineering for LLMs generally is targeted questions. Don't be too vague with it.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. Just like uh, just like talking to DevOps people, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what you what you guys seem to be saying is I can't replace Goodall for twenty five dollars a month just yet.
2: But give it twelve months and uh, and yeah, maybe you'll okay. we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think is we're, we're going to see investment yeah. in this, right? Amazon, yeah, Amazon yeah. care about being seen as good at this stuff um, and although they're not great today um, they'll be throwing manpower at it and so I, I think you can expect it to improve I mean it, if nothing else Amazon is good at shipping right AWS are good at shipping new uh, features new changes um, and uh, I think we can definitely expect to see this get better over the next 12 months.
1: One of the things that was picked I picked up on um, at the AWS on tour events a little while ago was it was a Code Whisperer demo, but same kind of concept, was they're built for low-value tasks that you have to do. That's what they're really good at. Like, give me some test data for this. And if it's a bit wrong, it kind of doesn't matter, but it's just giving you this big block of data. Brilliant. You haven't had to sit there and write it all. Yeah, so I, think it's, I think it feels like that still.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the, that's a fair assessment. I think um, to to your point, uh, Carl, about replacing John. I think um, what what it what it will probably couldn't even replace
1: you, Carl. Let's be honest here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what I think it will what I think it will do is um, is impact on um juniors and sort of newcomers to the industry to some extent because um with with you john looking at your iron policies and going why is that s3 bucket policy there you, you're credulous of it right you're like i don't i don't think that needs to be there um the the, the sort of more junior end of of uh, of the market might well be just accepting of and go oh well i guess the the tool says it must be this so it must be this um and uh and sort of rob them of that learning experience to an extent so i, I think there's a um i, I mean I think the things like um yeah, universal work from home and um universal generative ai tooling definitely has the possibility or the, the potential to impact on the career development of earlier stage um individuals i think that's something to be, be worried about um but um i i don't know what the what the fix is for that ultimately
0: well watch this space um let's uh let's Change things up a bit now and skip on to our second article for this week, uh, which was about the launch of a new storage tier for S3, new S3 Express One Zone tier, um, which uh, Amazon claim is up to 10 times faster than S3 standard, um, which sounds amazing. um, But uh, why won't we need it, Goodall?
1: You don't, unless you have very, (laughs) very specific workloads. You don't.
2: I agree with that. Yeah. It, it also sounds like a 90s boy band, don't you think? S3 <laughs> uh, Express One Zone. You can you can just feel the key changes, yeah. the sort of standing up off of the off of the high stools as they kind of belt out a new you oh, I've new got ballad.
1: Backstreet Boys songs in my head now. That's I hate you.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Um yeah, nobody needs this. Like well rather um the 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 characteristics that it provides are um characteristics that very few workloads need on a on a sort of general general basis um that this is single millisecond first byte read and and write support um, with you know, as you say, ten x performance over regular S3. We're talking about interactive video editing and and you know workloads like that. For the most part, it's probably not going to be necessary. Um, it, they can achieve this because it's only in one availability zone, um, so you lose a bunch of um, of durability um, and uh, availability. But I think it's got a 9995 um, percent uptime guarantee on it in in that zone. So um, not not really for your kind of really critical workloads. But when I was digging into this um, a bit this morning morning um doing my homework for for your podcast as it were um the thing that i found interesting is that it, it's um uh it, there are t- i guess two things is interesting about it. one is that it's an it provides a new directory based file layout so rather than the sort of key based object thing that you're used to in regular s3 this is actually a hierarchy of, of objects and i i kind of wonder whether that's going to um, find its way into other parts of S3 because some of that sort of key management stuff and the way that that um, storage performance everything is is based on how you structure your keys. Um, although that I think that that's been sold for to some extent already um is um it is not going to be a concern with this particular offering. So um interested to see where that goes. And the other thing is that the um when you're talking to this part of the part of the way it can provide the level of performance that it does is that your your SDK um when you're when you're writing uh, codes to to use this, you create a session, and then you use that session to interact with the uh, with the the S3 API, which um, uh, is is not what you typically do with uh, with S3. So, um, in, interesting sort of change there. So, you, you probably wouldn't want to, or you wouldn't be able to expect to just take something that's in existing vanilla S3 today. Move it over to S3 Express, Boyzone, um, and uh, and and have it work exactly exactly as it did, but with a, with different performance characteristics. As ever, you sort of need to, to write your software around these things. Um, but pretty interesting. I'm mean, I'm sure there are, there are legitimate use cases for this, um, but most people probably don't have have
1: those. It feels very much like this was either something that AWS needed themselves for all their Gen AI training data, so they just kind of went, oh, we'll just see if other people need it, or one big customer asked for it.
2: Yes, yeah, so it's it's not uncommon for one big customer asking for something to, to make its way into a, into a product. We were working with a, um, a large uh, customer of AWS in the U.K., Ooh, five years ago or so maybe um and um some of the i think some of the sort of re- more recent vpc networking changes mm. were, were definitely informed by those conversations no i've got experience in that with ecs as well so yeah uh,
1: i used to work for a large financial services institution in london and every once in a while we'd go this thing it's not in the london region but it is in ireland and then magically it was on the roadmap for london in the next quarter
2: yes yep well, if
1: so, yeah, nothing else, um,
0: if nothing else, it's given me some more inspiration for parody songs. So I'll add it to the uh, <laughs> list of parody songs that I'd like someone to write for us uh, for our social media. So um, get some yeah. Q yeah. to do it. Maybe, yeah,
2: maybe. Uh, I will, so yeah. uh, G- Gen I t- typically very bad at writing uh, lyrics or poetry because <laughs> it, it all it's doing is spitting out tokens. It has no concept of rhyming. Um, so if you if you are going to write anything about it, make sure it's prose. <laughs> I did i've actually, got yeah. gpt
1: to write a lot of haikus it's quite good at a haiku it,
2: haikus is fine yeah but uh, but pretty bad at, at rhyming schemes or you so try asking it to do anything in iambic pentameter and you, you're running for a bad time
0: <laughs> i did witness a a uh, Localized performance of uh, Fairy Tale of New York last week that had been co-written by Chat GPT. So, okay, well, uh, but uh, I, I guess the humans helped it with the rhyming. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let, let's let's move on uh, to uh, the, the next uh, article, um, which is an article on the uh, AWS news blog uh, about some new controls that have been added to Control Tower. Um, to help customers meet digital sovereignty requirements. So the article Mm. goes on to say there's a set of 65 purpose built controls to help you meet your digital sovereignty requirements. So we're seeing a lot of stuff about digital sovereignty um, at the moment, um, not just control tower, Um, but uh, what what are your thoughts on this one, Topper?
2: Um, well did you put this on the list because you know I'm a massive fan of Control Tower?
1: Absolutely. So it's, it's my and my
2: favorite AWS service.
1: And I feel fairly strongly <laughs> about digital sovereignty because if you'd asked me about it 3 years ago, I would have said you're an idiot, but right. now it's a thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it, we we've uh, we've deployed I think 50 or so Control Towers over the last 2 or 3 years. Like we we we're, we're sort of uh, very very hands on with Control Tower. It's it's a very good a uh, very good match for SaaS workloads because often um, SaaS customers are using AWS accounts per tenant as a as an isolation layer, and so Control Tower gives you a whole bunch of useful things for uh, for, for managing uh, managing multiple accounts ultimately. Um, so digital sovereignty, I mean, maybe worth defining that for your audience because um, it's a bit of a weird term. People often use it in terms of um, I guess geographical location of data, data right? residency, data is residency what it's been is before, it's yeah. often kind of bolted into the into the same kind of uh, um, senses as that. But in in I think the way it's being used here, we're talking more about um, the the ability of a, of an individual or a, or a uh, company to to have. Complete control over over its data, Not regardless of sort of location, but all the other controls that you might care about as well. So it's about sort of autonomy and agency around uh, around your 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 digital footprint, I guess. Um, and the the uh, the controls that have been added here, um, it's a little difficult actually in the documenta- documentation to find what are new controls um, versus what was already there, um, because the uh, Control Tower has hundreds of controls already for for. Um, for other other reasons and, and sort of controls that are aligned with different uh, compliance regimes a lot of our customers are using um, or, or are uh, compliant with ISO 27001 and they, they're using like, the, the control tower controls for that. Um, the, as far as I can tell, um, most of the things that they've done here is take a, an existing set of controls and categorize them as digital sovereignty controls and add some more things to them. Um, and I think the new controls are really ab- about things like being able to turn off types of connectivity and to turn off uh, publicly addressable storage resources and, and, and those sorts of things, or at least alarm on them. Um, the, the control tower mechanism is... is um, <coughs> excuse me. The, the controls are... Um, Although they're part of Control Tower, um, they're implemented by other services. So things like uh, preventive controls are all uh, service control policies. Uh, Detective controls are AWS Config, which um, as of this reinvent, you can now run more cheaply because you can turn down the frequency of the checks. That's been a nasty (laughs) surprise for some of the customers we've worked with. Um, And proactive controls, which is where uh, you're using a CloudFormation guard hook, I think they call it, to prevent somebody from making that change using CloudFormation. So these are new... Uh, controls that are implemented in in those ways to st- either stop people doing things that relate to moving data outside of your region, or uh, flag an alarm or, or take take automated action if if that does actually happen.
1: Yeah, it's important to note that extra cloud formation kind of control because you can craft an SCP that breaks cloud formation because of how cloud formation works with certain things. That that's fun.
2: Yeah, you, you can craft an SDP that prevents you from um, logging into your account, and then you can't remove <laughs> yeah. it. So uh, SCPs is quite a blunt instrument. Um, I think they, one of the other things that has changed, and I, I think they may be referring to that in this uh, this release as well, is that um, uh, regional denial. Um, it used to be a, a, a control tower config that would inform an SCP. I think they've changed how that works. Um, i'm not entirely sure how um i haven't really dug into the into the detail there but it was uh always a bit of a bolt on um lots of good stuff coming in controls out though i one of the Things that I did manage to attend uh, while I was out in Vegas was a, a roundtable on, um, or provided by the Control Services team, uh, who cover uh, Control Tower as well as Config and, and a number of other things. Um, and um, there's lots on their roadmap. Loads of, loads of things that we're asking for um, uh, have asked, been asked for by other partners and uh, are, are on the roadmap. So uh, if, if there's something that Control Tower doesn't do for you today that um, that is annoying you, um, it's not only annoying Apart you from it's, being it's really slow. Me. That, well, that's so. That's those are improvements they're making as well. There's a lot of uh, so they, they added um, API compatible uh, some API stuff for Control Tower. It used to be the case that you could exclusively deliver it using ClickOps, um, and now some of that is API driven. Um, some of the uh, the control application again used to be ClickOps; it became API driven. And now you can apply those in parallel, whereas you used to have to sit and wait for them to complete. So they're, they are—they're listening to these things, and I think it's, it's partners that feel this the most because if we're deploying fifty control towers and we're sat having to wait, you know, for you know twenty seconds in between every button press, mm. so you can see that that sort of racks up pretty quickly. So I mean,
1: there's uh, definitely a reason that other ways of managing organizations have come into existence. There's definitely reasons for that because uh, all formation yes. being the one that comes to mind because I like that one because cloud formation plus a bit and it all just kind of makes sense
2: yeah and that and i think that the, there are plenty of people out there who firmly believe that everything should be terraformed and so a lot of the things that uh, control tower can do for them they're trying to do in terraform uh, and i would argue that that is a waste of time because um, it's actually very easy to do in cloud cloud formation within control tower um we, we're sort of starting to think think about um i guess this is getting into the weeds a little bit but the the um, the distinction between a an account baseline and a workload, uh, and I, our belief is that you should run your account baseline using Control Tower and the CloudFormation bits that, that live in there, because that's slower moving and less likely to change, and probably owned by a platform team. But then deliver your workloads in however however you want, right? Use uh, Terraform or um, or Pulumi or, or, or whatever else uh, to do that. And, and the, the key thing is keeping that distinction and understanding what lives in which bit. Um, but uh, not everybody will be convinced by that. Unfortunately, for those individuals, it's typically the CTO that's buying this sort of thing, and uh, and the CTO is buying it because he <laughs> wants uh, ISO twenty seven thousand and one compliance. Uh, and so everyone will do as they're told ultimately. But um, it is a um, it is a conversation we have on, on the regular with uh, with uh, engineers from the companies that we're working with. I like the
0: term regional denial. I think it's something I've been <laughs> suffering from myself, having lived in the south of England longer than i ever lived in the north, but uh, a bit off, off topic. Uh, but, uh, I d- d- yeah.
2: Denial the denial the sovereignty of Las Vegas, I think. deny that that exists <laughs> apart from that, that one week of the year where we have to go to hear yeah. about all the good AWS stuff that's happening. <laughs>
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Let's skip on to our next article then, which is uh, also... Firmly in your wheelhouse, Mr. Topper, uh, and this yes. is about uh, announcing SaaS quick launch for AWS Marketplace. So, um, yes, something exciting for you guys.
2: Um, I mean, in theory, yes. Um, in in practice, this is the first we'd heard of it, which is a, you know <laughs> always a always a great sign. There are some things that were that that are sort of coming down the path where uh, where actually we're we're in the loop on it, but, uh, but this was new to us. Um, so, quick quick launch in the AWS Marketplace is a, a mechanism by which you as a SaaS vendor can write some control uh, some cloud formation uh, templates that can then be run uh, easily by the buyer so the buyer's in the console they go to the marketplace they say oh I'd like to buy this shiny saas solution um, they click quick launch um, having set up a, a handful of things um, and then that cloud formation runs inside their account to set up the uh, set of the, the components for that that saas um, and i think that's a um uh i've got a number of opinions about this i guess what <laughs> one, one, one is that um it, it's not really apparent who's then responsible for running that uh infrastructure that it creates once it's in your account um two setting up um buy, buying something from the marketplace that runs inside the customer's account that doesn't feel like SaaS to me sas is as a service not as a bundle of things that I have to look after uh, in my account. So there's a sort of question mark about, actually, is that that I guess it
1: depends what it's installing, because the the one that sticks out to me is Datadog, right? And as you say, it's a way of just launching CloudFormation stacks. And if you've got a Datadog account and you need to hook it into your AWS account, you hit a give me cloud formation stack button and it opens up the console with a here's the template we wrote run this and it just creates some permissions and and a lambda for sending logs and that's about the size of it so it feels like a friction reduction exercise
2: Yes, I think I think that's uh, that's that's broadly what it is, right? That's that's uh, what's going on here. I mean, mar- marketplace as a, as a whole is again something I have opinions about. Um, in that, I think that there are certain things that sell very well in marketplace, and I, I think it is your data dogs, it's your your forty gates, your kind of like thing things that you and I would consume as engineers. Um, in a, in a manner that looks quite a lot like an AWS service right it, it just happens to be provided by another vendor um and so um i think it's a good match for that sort of vendor and i think um aside from the fact that i've i've, I've got some questions about the um in, in the docs you you end up creating a service linked role um, in your account that is what marketplace then uses to deploy that cloud formation it's very similar if you're a, if you're a, a, a Control Tower user, there are a handful of roles that Control Tower creates in your um, member accounts for managing yeah, things familiar. like IAM and uh, IAM Identity Center and so forth. Um, so if you're using Quick Launch, you, you're creating a, an, a linked service role inside your account for Marketplace to use to deploy um, those um, those uh, Marketplace contain, uh, components uh, and that, that CloudFormation. Um, but the permissions that requires seems to involve a lot of like, hey, give us access to Parameter Store. It's delegated you know, admin
1: that. to a great extent because if you do it, service link roles for things like backup and what have you so you can run across the org it's, it's fairly permissive
2: yes yeah so so the the question is um and i haven't uh, the the documentation dig i did today didn't really sort of answer this for me i'm going to see if i can talk to someone on the marketplace team about it but they, it looked like that role might need a little bit too much in the way of permission for a buyer to be comfortable with it, but who knows? Like that, this is a very uninformed opinion. Um, don't let it put you off giving it a go. It seems like a good, uh, a good way to to consume some of those SaaS products. Um, I think um, marketplace as a whole, uh, AWS are definitely this year. There's a theme of them trying to get more people on marketplace. Um, they've reduced the price of listing on marketplace um, in this uh, the, the partner keynote last week. Um, they've been pushing a bunch of stuff in our direction to try and uh, encourage us to help more customers onto Marketplace. Uh, ultimately, it's a way of of AWS taking a percentage cut of things that are sold that way, right? So they're, they're obviously keen to be... Yeah, because there's, there's absolutely loads of regard.
1: services out there that you can run on your own, and here's the PDF on how to do it. So presumably, yeah. they want to just take a slice of that.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know the, the other use case of Marketplace is if you're in an enterprise um, who is able to buy from AWS but uh, onboarding a, another supplier, and particularly a Fender smaller management. supplier... Yeah, we talk about that um, quite a lot. Yeah, you 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 buy, being able to buy through Marketplace is probably beneficial. And the, the third uh, angle on this is that if you are... Uh, part of an enterprise discount program uh, with AWS, you're buying as an EDP marketplace spend can burn down your EDP commitment. So there are uh, companies out there who, if they've committed to more spend than they can actually buy in the in the time of their their EDP, which is not uncommon if they've negotiated it badly or their business has changed a lot in the in the meantime. Then switching to buying things like professional services and and um, and SaaS products through marketplace can can help them close the gap. And obviously, Amazon are quite happy about that because they get a, a chunk of change for it. Um, so Mar- marketplace is, is something that, uh, in in actual fact, many of our SaaS customers don't engage with um, often because they are not selling these types of easily kind of engineering consumed products. They are more vertical business domain things um aws are very keen to see us help more sas businesses onto marketplace um no doubt that will become a topic for us in the in the coming year but um it's uh it doesn't it's not a great fit for everybody i guess we, we've got some co- some consulting offerings listed on marketplace um, i don't think anybody's ever bought them that way um certainly no <laughs> one's this marketplace doesn't provide any useful discovery it, it's as far as I can tell, it probably doesn't work for most uh, most SaaS vendors, but it, for the vendors that it does work for, it probably really works for them. Um, and I'm hoping to get backlink, a bit more inside so. that it, it is a, a decent back for SEO, yep. so yeah <laughs> yeah and and in part what the reason we listed our control tower deployment for example on on marketplace was a way of saying this has been validated by aws like it, it has been it has had an ftr uh, foundation technical review like aws have signed off on this being a good solution um and i think that's probably helped from a a, a kind of um, a sales perspective to some degree um but it didn't didn't take a lot of effort to, to list a consulting offering on there uh, it's a it's a bit more effort to to do something like a, a quick launch or uh, um or or any other level of marketplace integration you can go very deep on this stuff and have um you know your the provisioning of your SaaS product actually be orchestrated by a marketplace purchase and so forth um and if you go down that route there's a lot of uh um work to do uh, and a lot of stuff that <clears throat> partners can help with um so uh, that's always good to always good to know
0: Nice. Well, conscious of time, I think we'll skip hmm. uh, cyber insurance and come back to that in uh, in another episode uh, because uh, we have gone over time uh, again, uh, which is great because uh, you know, we'd, uh, sounds like me to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's all of us. Uh, we, we love to talk about this stuff, and uh, it's easy to go on about it all day long. Uh, but uh, we we do try and keep our episodes to thirty minutes, and we have gone over so. Um, Thank you for listening, uh, if you've made it this far. Thank you to the Johns uh, for your Thank insights. You. That's both Goodall and Topper. It's been great to have you on as a guest, John. And we're not jealous at all we be you been in Vegas last week. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see you out there next year uh, when when we do get to go and we'll we'll catch uh, the same
2: chest infections together absolutely
0: yeah yeah breathing that same recycled air uh, so uh thanks again that was season 2 episode 42 of logicast if you enjoyed it tell your friends if you didn't enjoy it tell us uh, you can download logicast from wherever you get your podcasts and if you'd like to see our lovely faces you can see us on youtube as well so thanks for listening we'll be back next week with another episode we'll see you again next time cheers